former Ute quarterback, longtime Utah analyst, and our in our insider here on the Zone Radio Network. He's our friend Frank Dolce. What's going on, Frank? Hey guys, good afternoon. Great to catch up again. Uh, this is a quick side note, but how nice is it? We're going to have an afternoon game, Frank. That's going to be awesome. Two o'clock. Oh, yeah. I, I know. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And don't forget, uh, I'll be joining Hans Olsen, nephew of the, you know, the late great Merlin Olsen, uh, for the pregame and postgame show for Utah football uh, on Saturday afternoon as well. And you so, won't have to be here until 3 in the morning. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh my gosh! Wow, what, what was it? What what is it with those games? Golly! And do you know the amazing thing about that? People are people are still listening, and not just listening, but want to interact at all hours of the morning uh, regarding Utah football. It's it's nuts. It's crazy. So, Frank, my question for you is: What quarterback are they? Those people who are watching going to see? <laughs> You know, I I've been trying to be so sneaky with with uh, some of the guys up at, in the program about who is doing what and where the reps are going and who they like and everybody is so tight lipped about everything and you can't you know with all of the restrictions you can't even come close to the practice facility or anything else so I don't know I. Part of me feels like the way Coach Whittingham is talking about it, like, you know, we track every throw. We're tracking completion percentage. And those are re- those things are really important to us. Um, it feels to me like they're, they're settling in on more of a, more of a passing base offense. I'm not saying based in the past because I still think Utah will, will run the ball, but but I think, you know, more the ability to throw the ball downfield a little bit. And if they're doing that, then I, I would have to think that it's Bentley. But but then I go back to my other argument of, well, what are the resources that Utah has around? And, I you know, I, I may be wrong, but I don't think Utah has I mean, Britton Covey's terrific, and he's back. Full, sounds like he's full speed. And Brant Keithy's very, very good. Um, I don't know outside of those guys if they have, you know, kind of a USC stable of wide receivers available, which doesn't, to me, doesn't necessarily lend itself to, a, you know, throwing the ball downfield. So then I think, well, then you got to go with Rising, who's efficient throwing the ball but brings a little more athleticism in the quarterback run game. So I don't know. It's I, I'm, I'm, I'm up in the air about it. Although I think, I, I think the way that coach Whittingham is talking about it, I kind of lean towards Bentley at this point. Let me ask you this, Frank, as a, as a former player and a quarterback who's gone through a, a position battle before the public narrative with the quarterback battles is always, Oh, it's really close and uh, it's really competitive, but we're still the best of friends in the entire world and love each other dearly. Is that 
<laughs> is that how it really works or is you know sometimes a little bit more complicated than that well i think it uh i mean i think it's a little more complicated than that if you're the guy who's winning the battle then yeah you're it's easy to be the best of friends um and if you're the guy losing the battle then and you're super competitive which tends to be the case if you're if you're if you're trying to compete for a division one quarterback spot or, or anywhere in collegiate football, then, you know, if you're not, if you're not going to be the number one guy, then that becomes a little more challenging and maybe even just motivating. Uh, I always had really good relationships with the other quarterbacks on the team. Uh, but I, I, you know, there are cases like uh, I think you could say, uh, Aaron Rodgers might be a difficult teammate at the quarterback position, especially if he's feeling threatened. Um, I think, you know, Tom Brady may have demonstrated that a little bit. Uh, Joe Montana and Steve Young, that was a, that was, I don't know if those guys were best of friends, um, even, even to this day. Um, I, but I could also see, uh, you know, other guys that would be, that would that that you would think of as, you know, being very helpful in, in terms of helping to develop another quarterback. Like I said, though, it's the number one guy. I mean, they still all the competitive, but he's probably more willing to be best of friends with everybody than the than the guy that's trying to battle for the job. How do you think the offense will work as a whole? Are you a big uh, a proponent of the receiving core? And uh, it seems like a lot of people are confident in this uh, running back by committee. Yeah, I I am I like the running back position group. It's it's outside of maybe the offensive line. It's my favorite group on the team, uh, and so. I think that running back by committee works out well, and Utah's demonstrated success with that in the past. I think running back by committee will could possibly change after a couple games in, you know, based on productivity. And I think that's what we've also seen out of the Utah football program under Coach Whittingham is is that kind of philosophy. So. I like the running back position group. I think Utah's offense will still be and should be based in the in the run and and then working the passing game off of that because I think they're there's really good talent in the offensive backfield. Frank, why don't I ask you about Arizona? And I'll admit a couple of years ago I looked at the Kevin Sumlin hire and I thought, Oh, okay, that could work out. I see where their mind's at. You know, he did what he did at Texas A and M with Johnny Football and, and they had Khalil Tate at the time and I looked at uh, Arizona State hiring Herm Edwards and I thought, Well, oh, that's that's just gonna go terribly. And uh, I was wrong about both. I mean, I think Herb's uh Herm uh Herm, excuse me, has proven to be pretty good at Arizona State and Kevin Sumlin has been uh, subpar at best at Arizona. Why do you think that hasn't gone so well? You know, as as you and I, we contradict on just about everything. We do. But here's a situation where we're completely aligned. I thought with all of my heart that Kevin Sumlin, under Kevin Sumlin, the Wildcats were going to improve. Like, that was their next step that he was he just happened to be the right guy at the right time in the right situation and all the stars aligned and Arizona 
checked off all the boxes. I was just, I just thought, well, here comes Arizona. And the same for Arizona State. Like, what is going on? Herm Edwards does not know his mascot. He's talking about being the CEO. Uh, he, I, I don't know, you know, it's all of this motivational talk all the time, and I don't know how that. I think he's going to have maybe a half a year run before they just have to get rid of him. And it's, it's gone uh, completely, completely opposite. And I still think that, I still think that Sumlin is competent. I, I just don't know what, I just don't know what's happened there. Um, but I, I do feel like, you know, Arizona and, and Colorado kind of still sit at the bottom of the South. Um, even though they they had some talent, they had some wins and surprised some people a little bit. I just don't think Arizona is on the right path. Um, and and uh, and and on the other side of that, uh, I think Herm Edwards. I, you know, I I I think he's he's going to be super competitive. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to get all of the talent that he needs to be you know, to dominate a conference. But I think he'll win the conference every few years. I think he'll be competitive every year. And I really like what he's done at Arizona State. So, in fact, I have them as kind of my top, you know, they're definitely in my top three in the South with Utah and USC and Arizona State. And then, you know, everybody else kind of sits around the bottom, Arizona included. Frank, uh, over the weekend, I wrote a column that said that suggested that Utah's football program is to the point now where they can send as many players as they have to the NFL over the past couple of years, especially last year when they lose nine guys on the defensive side, and then they lose their quarterback and their running back, who are just terrific, and not have them really fall as far as predictions go. Now, most people are picking USC to win the South, but I guess my question to you is, do you agree with me that Utah is to the point now where they have enough athletes where they might bump and skid a little bit here and there, they might have to learn some lessons along the way, but athletically they're in great shape? In the past, I would say a loss like Utah faced in the offseason, all of that talent would be devastating. Especially in the especially in the in the Pac-12 or you know in the Power Five conference, um, they, Utah still doesn't have the ability to reload like USC um, or or maybe in you know in Oregon or maybe a Washington not not on that level I don't think but but I I, I do agree with you that uh, a, a Utah team that loses all of that talent. And it's so funny to when you walk through that list, you start naming all those guys, you just start thinking, wow, that's a lot of productivity. Even with all of that productivity gone, um, I still feel like Utah will find itself in the hunt. And, and that is a, a real credit to what Coach Whittingham has done with that program and the ability to um, create a talent pool that doesn't drop off as much from one to two to three, as it did in the past. That was the big thing for Utah going into the Pac-12 is that on a one-to-one basis, top guys to top guys, Utah could be pretty competitive week to week. But then when you start getting into the depth issues, and I think that's where Utah really struggled. He's corrected that, 
and then, like you said, Gordon, uh, has built it to a point where you just kind of reload year after year, and I think that's where Utah is as a program. I'm not saying they're going to dominate anybody or win the South, but I think they'll be competitive for sure. Who do you think Utah's best player is? Huh. We can kind of go back and forth. I mean, you know, Devin Lloyd, Mika Tafua, Brant Keithy. Who else comes to your mind? Uh, well, I, I, lean toward, <laughs> I lean toward the defensive side because uh, Coach Whittingham, without any apology, steals all the talent from the <laughs> offensive side <laughs> and puts on the defensive side. So, so I, I really, I mean, it's hard to compete with those, those guys. I think Devin Lloyd's fantastic. Same with Safua. I was going to say Keithy um, is my, is my most talented guy on the team. I think he is um, even, even as talented as he is probably underutilized um, so far. I think that that's a guy that, you know, could be, a Gronkowski type of have a Gronkowski type of an effect on a football game. He's a matchup nightmare. He does, you know, all phases. He did well a year ago and I think he'll improve. Um, And so I I think overall, which is very odd to say for a Utah football team is to give the tight end position that title of, you know, best athlete on the team. All right. Well, let me let me uh, let me break it up a little bit for you. If if we were to ask you who the best player is on the defense and the best player on the offense, how would you uh, divide that up? Yeah, I'd say Keithy is is offense. It's hard to get around the the def- or the uh, offensive backfield. The running back situation is very good at Utah, but I just don't you know with two guys in the rotation there, I just don't think that you can you know you can make that claim or one of those guys can make the claim yet. So Keithy on the on the offensive side, uh, I I really like Devin Lloyd, but I think Tafua uh, is more of a problem uh, for opponents on on the defensive side. I think he's more disruptive where it counts um, at the line of scrimmage and around the line of scrimmage. So I'd probably have to say um, Tafua on the defensive side. Frank Dolce with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What's going to be the biggest storyline going into this game other than who starts at quarterback, do you think? For Utah? For Utah, specifically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest – that that is going to be the biggest storyline. I mean, uh, may, maybe that alongside um, does Utah – you know, does Utah defensively match up? With all with with the loss of all of that talent, and even though we think you know I think they're kind of reloading, and there's plenty of talent available, it's hard to replace that productivity. So, quarterback situation is the number one storyline going into this, which I think is fascinating because I think Coach Ludwig can can win with either of those guys. Well, the two guys I think who are who are in the race, um, but but you know with with corona then then you have to say you know you have to keep three guys in the race because you, you know at any point the number three guy is the number two guy um and not because of injury or 
or poor play necessarily because, you know, maybe some kind, someone somehow tests positive. Um, so there's, there's that storyline going in. And then, uh, you know, what, what is the personality of the, of the Utah defense? And I think that's, that, that's a good way to describe it because, you know, over the years you could say about different Utah defenses, they, you know, they have a certain personality. If it's attacking or it's kind of the bend, don't break philosophy or super athletic like we saw a year ago. So I, I think that's how I would characterize the defensive storyline. How would you characterize the effect Andy Ludwig has had in his return to Utah? It's uh, it's not unlike Urban Meyer uh, taking all of Coach McBride's talent and losing just one game over his short two-year stint at at Utah. I think it's very similar. To that, taking uh, taking especially what he did with Tyler Huntley, who during his previous three years showed signs, but never, never I was never confident that he was ever going to be a guy like you know a guy that could could lead a team to significant victories, um, and then. And then Coach Ludwig shows up on the on the scene, and and you're thinking, oh man, Tyler Huntley just can't get hurt because he's so he has to be able to stay in the game because he's so productive. You know, in the past you thought, well, if Tyler Huntley goes down, then we have you know this guy or that guy, and we could probably fill in because our running game's really good. But but Tyler Huntley became invaluable when Andy Ludwig arrived. So. I think that's the kind of effect he's had on the program. What'd you uh, dress up as for Halloween, Frank? <laughs> uh, I dressed up. I dressed up as you, and I went around <laughs> yelling at anybody who was dressed up as a soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> Which Brilliant. was everybody in your family, right? Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just scolded everybody in my whole crew. I made you very popular soccer. in the neighborhood. I bet. <laughs> hey Frank, I want you to know, Jake. I want you to know that we followed your exam, your advice, and we put a bowl of candy down uh, where the trick or treaters could come get it. Good, good. Yeah, we yeah. just turned out the lights and <laughs> you didn't even do that. Huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah we well, you know, look, I, I, uh, I will happily admit that we kept our lights on, and anybody who wanted to come up to the house and. Um, and grab a, a couple pieces of candy. We played it safe and six feet and masked and everything else. But uh, we we were open door for our neighborhood, and we had uh, a nice little showing of of trick or treaters. Not what we've had in the past, but um, still a decent decent showing. What'd you give out? Only the best stuff, like. Peanut M&M's. Okay, so there's a bunch of stuff that I would give out that I would consider the best stuff. Peanut M&M's, plain M&M's, Snickers, Milky Way, Kit Kat, Twix, Crunch. I'll even put uh, Baby Ruth in that in that category <laughs> as kind of the tops. Wow, we, well the, the thought out that, variety. I'm impressed. Yeah, the things that we don't give out, like, I, and, and I don't know why people take them. I mean, we have them available. I don't like. 
I'm not a three musketeer. I think a three musketeers is kind of a, it's kind of a cheap, like it's a kind of a throwaway deal. So I don't like three musketeers. I don't like, I don't like the whoppers. Um, I don't like the Twizzlers. I don't like anything that's like um, the sweet tart kind of candy or sour or like sour patch kids. Or anything like that. Oh, and I forgot Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Of course, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. So those are the, I think those are kind of the go-to Halloween candies for sure. In your uh, younger and, uh, you know, more single, immature days, did you guys ever get uh, caught, you know, like, like I, I live in an older neighborhood where we don't get a ton of trick-or-treaters, especially a few years ago. The neighborhood's getting a little younger now, but, like, back when I had roommates and stuff, we'd get a trick-or-treater when we weren't expecting it and have to, like, get creative you know like here's some uh, 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 a jar of ketchup and you, you get some mayonnaise and uh here's some baking soda for you now now move along do you no no i i you know halloween is kind of a sacred a sacred thing so and when we when by the way when we purchase candy to to give out then it it has to be first of all we purchase way too much by design and then it has to be candy that we're going to we're going to enjoy. So first I would never, I, I never do the trick part of the trick or treat. And I make sure that the treat choices, we make sure, I shouldn't say I make sure, we make sure that the treat choices are, you know, when people go home and look through their stuff, they're like, Oh, you remember that house? They only had really good choices of candy. Well, I'm proud of Gordon for leaving out a, a bowl because he was just going to turn the hose on him. And uh, oh, yeah, I'm glad right. his, his better judgment got along. <laughs> Turn the hose. <laughs> I would never, I would never believe that of Gordon. Maybe, maybe like a fire extinguisher just for fun. You know, but <laughs> a seltzer bottle. <laughs> never, never the hose. Never the hose. Never the chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Frank, thank you as always for jumping on with us, buddy. We hope you have a, had a happy Halloween. I hope you guys did as well. Thanks for calling. I always enjoy catching up with you guys. And, hey, man, it's this week. Go Utes. It's here. Thanks, Frank. That's our buddy Frank Dolce, our Ute insider, longtime Ute analyst, and, of course, a former Ute quarterback himself.